This message by Pastor Alexander Ruggieri was delivered at Faith Fellowship Church in Dodgeville, Wisconsin. For more information, please call 608-935-2655 or visit us at www.dodgevilleffc.com. verses 19 through 27. For though I am free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, not myself on being under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. And I am made all things to all men, that I might be all, all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker of it with you. Know you not that they all who run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you might obtain it. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This is God's word. Would you please remain standing for our next hymn? As uh, the past few weeks, if you've been driving down Main Street, uh, the 23 here in Dodgeville, you've been noticing that posted to the, the telephone poles, as you, particularly if you're going north up through, through town, you'll notice these poster boards have been tacked on to the telephone poles and uh, referring to the cross-country team here in town. And the, uh, the, I'm assuming the parents or supporters of the individuals on the cross-country team will post it and they'll use their name and try to put it into a saying that, that rhymes with their name or kind of builds spirit and motivation for the cross-country team. And I was talking with um, Augie and Eileen's uh, grand, grandson recently about how the cross-country team in Dodgeville apparently is a very good team. In fact, that they've gone beyond their, their division and are reaching other divisions. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who are really excited about the cross-country team. And all of you know, cross-country involves running. It's one of the oldest sports in the human race is, is running. Races. Some of them are short, some of them are long, but running has always been one of the most... Uh, popular and sought-after sports through all of human history. Well, the Bible says that we as Christians are running. That when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, we're put in a race. But did you know, as a Christian, you are running? You may not be physically running, but as a Christian, following your Lord, you're on a track, you're on a course. And that illustration 
is brought up in the Bible all the time. You read it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. There's running there. And then we all know the the passage that the Apostle Paul gives when he knows that his time is short. At the end of his ministry, he writes to his beloved son in the Lord, Timothy, and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In Paul's day, when he wrote Corinthians, running was a big deal. And the people could connect to the idea and the metaphor of running. In fact, in Corinth, there was a stadium of of events. It was called the, I can't pronounce it that well, it's Ismithian Games. It was a It was not quite the Olympics, but it was up there. It was pretty big. In Greek culture, they'd have all different games where they'd meet at the stadium, and no doubt the Corinthians were frequent these games. And so, after motivating them to be servants of the gospel through verses 19 and 23 that we touched on a little bit last week, he then uses this illustration to really drive it home. To get a home run, if you will. In verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul takes advantage of this to say to the Corinthians, you are running, and we as Christians are running. Now I have to clarify before we talk about what that means, I have to clarify what that does not mean. Because if you read it, you might, you might think something that Paul doesn't mean at all. The first thing he does not mean when he uses this running illustration is he does not mean that we are running on a race to earn salvation. That we have entered into the Christian race and we are doing our best and striving to be number one so that we can earn our way to heaven. So that we can be granted the imperishable crown of heaven. That's not what Paul means. He teaches time and time again that salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. And so entering into the race doesn't mean we're entering into a race in order to gain salvation. There's this paradox in the scriptures of resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross and running the race set before us. It's paradox. These two truths that are seemingly contradictory, but they're not. For example, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. 
What he's saying is if somebody wants to to come to him for salvation, they have to stop striving. They're weary, they're trying, but Jesus is saying, stop. Come to me and rest. Jesus dies on the cross that we may rest in him, in his finished work. His blood covers our sins. His grace enables us to do his will. We are saved by his work. His Holy Spirit comes inside of us to enable us to do his will. But then after we trust in the Lord for salvation, there's this call in the scriptures to run. Jesus, in the same book, Matthew, a few chapters later, will say to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That is the first part, denying yourself, not earning your own way, trusting in him, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And so although we are resting in Jesus for our salvation, we are also following him with the cross. And so we as Christians, being saved by grace, are also graciously empowered and called to follow our Lord. So that every day you live as a Christian and every day I live as a Christian, we are called to follow him and do his will. And so that's, it's balanced here. If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul sums it up, this paradox and this balance. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is talking about how Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to all the apostles. And he says in verse 10, uh, for verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But then he says this, By the grace of God I am what I am. That is, his salvation to me was by grace. But then he says this, And his grace to me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. It's a bold statement, Paul, to say that you labored more than John and Peter and James. He says, I labored more than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see? He's acknowledging that he did a lot more, but it wasn't him. It was just evidence that God was with him. And same with us when we run the race, when we follow our Lord. We're not saying, look at me, I'm running. We say, look at what Jesus is doing in my life. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. So running the race does not mean we're earning salvation. Secondly, running the race does not mean that we are competing against each other. You might think that if you just take this verse out of context and read, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in a way that you may obtain it. He's not saying, you know, you and I Christians, we're all on the race and we're all racing each other to get to the top and to be number one. Christianity is not a competition against other Christians. We're not supposed to be running against each other, but with each other. In a sort of a relay race type format where we're, we're running along and, and, and following our Lord and doing His will. And we're supposed to, if one is stumbling off the track, we come and we help them up and get them back on the track and run with them. Or not to push others off the track so we can get on top. We're not to trample over others so that we can be ahead of them. We're to run alongside, hand in hand, following Jesus Christ. So we're not competing, we're running together. So what does Paul mean when he uses this illustration? What does he mean? 
Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. What does he mean? I thought I prayed about this. I thought of back when I was living at home before I was married. Our property bordered hundreds of undeveloped acres because it was a reservoir. They didn't want to develop it near the reservoir. And I remember as a boy, some mornings I would get up and I, I, I enjoyed running. I would go outside, it would be a crisp morning, and I'd go outside, get my sneakers on, and, and I, there'd be these winding pathways through the woods, and I would just start running these paths. And I just loved running through the woods. And it would be fun. It would be enjoyable. But is that going to make me an Olympic runner? Absolutely not. Running for fun as a hobby is not going to get you to be in the Olympics. And what Paul is saying is that our Christianity is not to be like a fun hobby that we do, that we get enjoyment out of. But following our Lord is an all-consuming passion to give our best, do our best, to serve Christ and be available to Him to run through us. And so our lives are ordered in such a way that we're not just using our faith to be a kind of addition to our own life, to be something nice that we do maybe once a week or plus. But that following our Lord is everything. If you're an Olympic runner, it's everything. It's all consuming. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. That's what each one of us are called to do and called to be. Giving our all for the Lord. So Paul gives us some tips. How are we running? How are we running following our Lord? Paul gives us some tips. First, he says, we must run by ordering our lives around our training. We must run by ordering our lives around our training. Look, if you will, where he says in verse 25, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. That, that word temperate also can be translated as is undergoing self-control, is ordering their lives so that they are, they are controlled by the design and passion to run. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. These Olympic runners, they order their lives, they order their time, they order their diets, they order everything about them to obtain this one crown that they'll get at the end of the games. And he's saying, we for an imperishable crown. We are, are, are striving in the grace race to obtain the blessing of God that he gives to his children. And so we undergo the training in a sense of bringing this body and this spirit and this soul in a way that it is ordered, our lives are ordered, so that we are exercising our faith, so that we are growing in our task so that we are gaining the spiritual muscles to be able to run the race better. Jesus Christ is our coach. He is our physical trainer. He is our Lord that helps us in the decision-making we go through. So that our time and our resources and our souls are undergoing the disciplines of Self-control. You know, the Bible says that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. 
When we walk with the Lord, we gain a self-control that he works through us so that every ounce and minute of our being is, is being driven towards a desired end, which here it is following Christ and contextually in the text, bringing the gospel to the lost in the capacity he has enabled us to do. Obviously, not everybody in the church has to be exerting their strength in the same way and just marching up and down the streets and bringing the gospel. But each of us have been given a task and a call that all of our time, all of our energy and resources is given over to the Lord Jesus, who then uses us to bring that gospel. I remember the story of, uh, I brought it up before with David Wilkerson, who was the founder of Teen Challenge that we had come and visit us and and he remembers that he used to spend a lot of time in the evening hours watching television. And the Lord had laid on his heart that he wants to use that time to pray. And so he committed himself to turning off the television, getting on his knees and praying to the Lord. And it was through that changeover that the Lord used in his life to inspire him and, and drive him to go reach the, the, um, the uh, gangs of New York. And it was through reaching the gangs of New York that the Lord opened up the door for Teen Challenge, which is going strong today, reaching men and women of all ages out of a life of substance abuse into the freedom of Jesus Christ. And so there's just one example of the many in which our submission to the Lord, He will, he will direct us as a personal trainer to change this, modify that, give this segment of time to this, over to that. And as we walk with Him, all of a sudden our, our lives are falling into place to a specific desired end of following Christ. And running is no longer just a fun hobby we do in our morning devotions and go to church, but following the Lord is an all-consuming morning to evening and through the night sleeping designed to serve Christ. Obviously, there will be times of rest and joy and respite, but those times are still under the, the drive of the Lord. Even... Even Olympians know that there has to be a time where you can rest, a time when you can take a step down and let there be a time of recovery. And we as Christians need that time of recovery, lest we become burnt out. But I'd rather be burnt out serving the Lord than burnt out doing my own thing. Which leads us to the second advice. How are we running? We must run by ordering our lives around our training. But secondly, we must run by following our Lord with aim and intention. By aim and intention. Look what he says there in verse 26. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He says, when I run, I know where I'm going. If I'm going to fight, which boxing was a game in those days, he's using a boxing reference, he says, Thus I fight, not at one who just beats the air, just aimlessly, just, just throwing my fists out there. He says, I've got a target. And I'm aiming for that target. And so it is with the Lord, not only is our time and our resources and our being given over to Him, but we also got to be careful that we don't end up just saying, okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing things and I start 
running and, and going in a direction, but it may not be the direction He's laying us to go in. Because He says, I'm running not with uncertainty, but I know where the Lord is leading me. And so I'm going to follow my personal trainer and my coach to make sure that the track I'm running on is a track He has laid before me. I used to play basketball when I was younger. My boyhood sport memories come to mind through this. And I was on the traveling team. We travel around to different teams. And I, I've shared this story many times. I um, used to cheer the team on as I sat on the bench. But then the one time came when the coach looked at me and he said, Alex, you're in. And I was in and I was running. And I was making sure I got that ball and blocking and doing my thing. And I was so excited I got the ball. I ran down the court, shot it in, and it went right in. Nobody was around me. I outran them all. But nobody was cheering for me. I wasn't sure why. And then I looked and I realized that I had thrown the ball into my own hoop and was on the wrong side of the court. So I proceeded to cheer the team on on the bench again. <laughs> You've heard it said with executives who, who are in their businesses how people say who don't know the Lord, they, 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 count, they find counseling with pastors and Christian councils and they finally admit, they said, I spent my whole life climbing the ladder only to find out that it was resting against the wrong wall. Brothers and sisters, following the Lord Jesus, let us not run with uncertainty. Let us not beat the air using our energy and it is not the direction He's leading us in. Individually, we as Christians have to ask the Lord and come before the Lord, I need aim for my life. I need direction for my life. And you come before the Lord and all of a sudden He starts looking at your, your circumstances and if you're, a, say, a husband and a father, He looks at you and He says, I, I have a direction how I want you to be a husband. And all of a sudden the, the Word of God becomes clear and prayer becomes clear that the kind of husband God wants you to be is a faithful husband, loving, serving, leading his wife. As Christ loves, serves, leads the church. A faithful father, sacrificing, protecting, raising, and teaching. You come before the Lord, Lord, I want to be, how do you want me to be a, a worker in this uh, work environment you've placed me in? And you read the word and you pray and there becomes a clear aim and direction. This is how I want you to interact with your co-workers. This is how I want you to follow, those, uh, follow me in serving your company that you work for, our own. We need aim. We need direction so that our energies and our efforts are being unleashed in the path God has laid for us. Are we seeking the Lord's guidance so that we do not run with uncertainty, so that we do not beat the air? And thirdly, the task, the advice that he gives to us is this. Not only must we run by ordering our lives around our training, not only must we run by following our Lord with aim and intention, but thirdly, we must fight against the weakness of our flesh 
We must fight against the weaknesses of our flesh. Verse 27 says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What does he mean by disqualified? He means, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to expel all my energies reaching the loss of the gospel and have a wrong heart inside and come to find out that I was a hypocrite. So I'm going to not only look at the goal that the Lord has set ahead of me, but I'm going to look at myself and make sure that my heart and my actions are always right and pure with the Lord. I discipline my body, he says in verse 27. When you look at that word, it doesn't mean discipline like we think. It's a boxing term. It literally means I make black and blue. Some translations say, I beat my body. Now, obviously, Paul is not advocating for self-flagellation. But what he is advising us as Christians is that we look at ourselves, look at our hearts, look at our actions, and ensure that the flesh, which remains until glory, is not holding us back from running the race set before us. Our greatest enemy in this race, brothers and sisters, is not the devil. Our greatest enemy in this race is not the world. Our greatest enemy in this race is ourselves. Turn, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5, and you see this depiction of the flesh versus the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. The, the picture that Paul gives is, is switching from the race to the boxing. He's saying that there's a war inside of you. There's a battle inside of you between flesh and spirit. In verse 18, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and he gives a list of things to watch out for. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying is watch out for the flesh. And notice here, when we think of the word flesh, we tend to think of the icky outward fleshly things, like our desires and appetites. But the list doesn't stop there. It goes into the heart. The flesh is also residue that infects the heart. Such of things like hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy. The flesh is all pervasive in our being, outward, inward. And we are at war. Lest the flesh hold us back from running the race. But it goes on. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
So as we battle against the flesh with the Spirit, we're making black and blue those, those wicked desires and tensions of our hearts and, and our bodies with the power of the Spirit of God He's given us to live the life He's called us to live, to be the people He's called us to be, to speak the truth He, speak, he calls us to speak, to live out our Christian life in the world around us by the Spirit. We're running this race. We have our enemies. We're following our Lord with aim and intention. We're ordering our lives around our training. We're following Christ. How are we running? This is a mighty call. We're going to stumble and fall. Let us be very clear. Each of us will stumble and fall. But by the grace of God, we get back up. We shake the dirt off of our feet. By the grace of God, we go. How are you running? How am I running? How is our time being used in following our Lord? Is it our time when we go on a sprint here and there? Or is it like the Olympic trainer where every minute of his day is being given over to the task at hand, such as every minute of our days are being given over to following Christ and bringing the gospel to the lost, and serving him in the church, and serving others outside the church, and speaking truth that he calls us to speak, and being salt and light that he calls us to be salt and light. How about the attitude of our hearts, the behavior of our bodies? Do they reflect somebody who's training and on a mission? Does the flesh need to be beaten to a pulp by the power of the Spirit? Brothers and sisters, let us run the race set before us, as is written in Hebrews. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we got people watching, I believe. There is a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're going to get out of the spectator seat, come into the race, endure and follow our Lord diligently, and at the end of our lives, we're going to say, like the Apostle Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Amen. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for your word that encourages us, that convicts us, that gives us direction. I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would power, would come and do the work that only you can do. I pray, Father God, that we would give our hearts afresh and anew to running the race set before us. If anyone here does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray they would call on the name of the Lord to be saved, repent of their sin, accept the free gift of salvation through Christ who died on the cross, and join in on this race. Holy Father God, I pray that you would be our aim that our eyes would be fixed on you, Lord. Thank you so much, Father. We pray this 
in your name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.